Now hear the Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. Mark. Glory to you. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm, oh, you go ahead. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side to Bethsaida, while he dismissed the crowd. And after he had taken leave of them, he went up on the mountain to pray. And when evening came, the boat was out on the sea, and Jesus was alone on the land. And he saw that they were making headway painfully, for the wind was against them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. He meant to pass them by. But when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost and cried out. For they all saw him and were terrified. But immediately Jesus spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And then he got into the boat with them, and the wind ceased. And they were utterly astounded. For they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. The Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be always acceptable in my sight of the Lord, my strength, my redeemer. Amen. This week, my kids introduced me to a game called Spot It. It's a very interesting game. It's a deck of little round cards, and each card has exactly one matching symbol or picture in common with each of the other cards in the deck. And so if you flip over two cards, the challenge is to see the connection the thing that is the same between those two cards. It is a game of finding connections. And Mark, Mark is a gospel of connections. Connections within the story, connections to the prophets, connections to the church throughout the ages, and even connections into our own lives. As we look today at the now familiar account of Jesus walking on the water after feeding the 5,000, let us notice first the connections within the narrative. This is a story, among other stories, we started as Jesus sent out the 12. We heard last week as the 12 returned. We heard last week the connection between the lavish banquet in Herod's palace and the miraculously simple feast on a hillside by the Sea of Galilee. We now hold that mundane miracle of multiplication against this supernatural revelation of Jesus. And the twelve are astonished because they did not see the connection. Mark writes, they were utterly astounded. They did not understand about the loaves but instead their hearts were hardened. See connections between locations. Jesus sends the twelve out onto the boat to go across the sea to Bethsaida. We learn next, in the next passage, it actually is four weeks from now because we take a little interlude in John in our lectionary, but we learn that when Jesus gets on the boat and the wind calms and they come to shore, they come to shore not 
Bethsaidan, but at Genesaret, where the crowd has gathered to be healed. These connections tie Mark's narrative together. We can also look and see the connections to the Old Testament, to Moses, to Isaiah, to Elijah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Daniel. These connections are especially helpful when we get to the hard passages in this section of Scripture. See, Jesus has fed the 5,000, and then he sends the 12 down to the boat to go across while he dismisses the crowd. He goes up on the mountain alone to pray. We're pretty good with that. We understand that we can wrap our minds around that. And then in the night, Jesus looks out onto the sea and he sees the disciples struggling to make progress against a strong headwind. So he decides to walk across the water. We're even okay with that because after all, he's Jesus. And we've heard the story before. We're okay with Jesus walking across. And then we come to the difficult phrase, he meant to pass them by. This sounds harsh if we don't look for the connections. As we look, we think about connections, we might see the connection to Moses. As he intercedes for the people on the mountain in Exodus 33, and Moses cries out, please show me your glory. And the Lord responds, I will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim my name, the Lord. We might recognize the connection with Elijah, who stood on that same mountain as God spoke to him and said to him, Go out, stand on the mountain before the Lord, and behold, the Lord passed by him. Jesus comes walking on the water, walking as the Lord of the waters, walking as only God can walk. He's intending to reveal his nature to the twelve in the boat. Yet, yet instead of recognizing him, they refused his invitation to this glorious encounter. They refused the invitation to a kingdom imagination. They could not fathom Jesus as anything other than a great teacher and healer. Well, maybe perhaps a prophet, but certainly not as God incarnate. It was beyond what their hearts could imagine. Jesus comes to them in their fear and commands them to take courage, and he proclaims, Ego I mean, it is I. Perhaps this is a normal thing. Relax, it's just me, guys. It's just me, Jesus. But if we're looking for the connections, we hear back to Moses. I will pass before you and proclaim before you my name. We can hear the name that God reveals to Moses from the burning bush. I am who I am. In the Septuagint, the Greek translation of Hebrew, scripture. It was familiar at the time with Jesus. God says to Moses from the bush, Ego I may. Oh, oh, I am who I am. Jesus, God incarnate, comes walking across the water, 
passes before them in his glory and proclaims his name, Ego Ami. With these words, Jesus gets into the boat and the wind ceases. And then Mark tells us that the disciples were utterly astounded. They could not believe what their eyes were seeing or what their ears were hearing. For they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. These twelve, these twelve that Jesus had called to be with them, the ones to whom Jesus gave authority and power to proclaim and manifest the kingdom of heaven to the people of God. It's these twelve, they're in the boat that Jesus passes by, that he proclaims the divine name before them. Yet, even they had hardened hearts. What connections might we make with this phrase? We might hear the connections back to the Exodus, as Pharaoh's heart is hardened even in the face of the miracles, the signs and wonders that Moses does. We might hear later, as Daniel, as Nebuchadnezzar's heart, similarly hardened. We might also hear the connection to the people that God has called to be his own. We might hear again in the Exodus, as we hear about it in Psalm 95, the canticle Venite that we read in morning prayer. Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation and as in the day of temptation in the wilderness. When your fathers tested me and put me to the proof, though they had seen my works. See the works of God, even as the people of God. And in our hardened hearts, we recognize not the voice of God. We might see the connection to hardened hearts in the promise to Ezekiel of a new heart of flesh to replace our hearts of stone. We might hear the connection in Jeremiah's description and promise of the new covenant in which God will write his very law on the flesh of our hearts. And when he does that, we will know God. No longer will our hearts be hardened, but we will know God when he appears. We might even hear the connection to Isaiah as he's called by God. This oft-quoted passage by Luke, summarized by John in this way, he has blinded their eyes and hardened their heart, lest they see with their eyes and understand with their heart, and turn and I would heal them. The lament of God is his people refuse to hear and see and surrender and be healed and made whole. We might even make connections to our own journey. You know, I wonder what connections Peter made. The tradition of the church holds that the Gospel of Mark comes from the, the account, from the Peter's personal account of his time with Jesus told to Mark as they sat together in a Roman prison. I can picture Mark sitting at Peter's feet, listening and collecting the stories, piecing them together in his mind to tell the story of Jesus, the Christ, the Son of God, 
for future disciples. I can imagine Peter telling this story. You know, Lord Jesus has just showed himself to us, but our hearts hardened. Oh, how my heart has been hardened. Even when Jesus revealed himself on the mountain in all of his glory, I couldn't grasp it. And I just wanted to build a tent. When I finally knew that Jesus was the Christ, no sooner were these words out of my mouth than in my heart I wanted to deny the very mission of the Christ. When Jesus was arrested, my heart and heart even denied knowing him. And when dear Mary came back from the tomb, telling us that Jesus had risen, had risen just as he said he would, my heart and heart, I refuse to believe it. Oh, my dear son Mark, how faithful and loving the Lord has been with my hardened heart. Even in the hardness of our hearts, the risen Lord appeared to us. The risen Lord restored me three times, the same three times that I denied him. Then, oh, then on Pentecost, the Spirit came and brought life to my heart. Oh, what a glorious day. And yet, my heart hardened so swiftly. And yet the Lord is patient, even with me. For my heart was hardened toward the Gentiles. The angel of the Lord came to me and sent me to our dear friend Cornelius. And when my heart hardened once more, the Lord sent Paul to correct me. Even now, with these chains, with death so close before me, I know that the Lord desires to soften this old heart. May it be so. Now where were we? Oh yes, yes, Jesus came to us walking on the water and got in the boat. And suddenly, we were on the shore at Genesaret. I wonder what connections we might make today. Mark hints and our own inability to recognize Jesus in times of trial and struggle because of our unwillingness to see Jesus in the everyday things. They did not understand about the loaves and their hearts were hardened. The prayers of thanksgiving in our routine day to day prepare our hearts to recognize God in the simplicity of bread and in the miraculous glory of encounter in the midst of our struggles. When we know that our daily bread is a gift from God, we can begin to be prepared to receive the gift of God as he passes before us in glory, in the midst of our trials, and as he calls to us, take courage, I am God. I am with you. Do not be afraid. I heard last week that Jesus invites us to encounter, to compassion, and to a kingdom imagination. It is this kingdom imagination that expands our hearts, that softens the hardness of our hearts, that we might know God. In our lectionary, we're walking through Ephesians as our epistle readings this month. A few weeks ago, we heard one of my favorite expressions in all of Paul's letters, 
having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, having our hardened hearts softened by a kingdom of imagination. We hear today Paul's prayer for revelation and a softened heart as he asks the Father to grant us to be strengthened with power through the Spirit in our inner being, so that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith. That we, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength, may have an open heart to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses all knowledge. And that we, with softened hearts, may be filled with all the fullness of God. May it be so. May it be so as we encounter Christ in these everyday elements of bread and wine, made miraculously to be the body and blood of Christ by the presence of the Holy Spirit. And may it be so as we go out into the trials and struggles that lay before us. May we have eyes to see God as he passes before May we have ears to hear, take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. And may our hearts be turned to God, that we may indeed be made whole. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.